Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to say good morning? Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Oh, that's awesome. You guys are going to the top of the class, I tell you. Really appreciate your faithfulness. Well, what an exciting morning. Hasn't it been just a joy to worship the Lord today? And uh, we pray for those that you are rejoicing, we stand with you and rejoice. And for those of you that have come in heavy-hearted and broken, we pray for you and trust that you would find God to be faithful, true and strong. We're going to continue our series this morning in Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd like to turn there, you may, but the verses that I'm going to take you through will be on the screen for you. And we're coming into chapter 6 of Ephesians 10 through to 20. And we're going to give a series, really, where we're talking about the war or the armour of God. And it's going to be a three-part series, as you can imagine, I'm going to speak this morning. And uh, Nathan is going to bring you the next part next week. And uh, Pastor Timon is going to conclude that session for us. And these guys are going to do a great job. And today, I just wanted to focus in on verses 10 to 12. And really, only the first part of verse 10. Uh, as we go through. When you come into Ephesians chapter 6, to get there, you've got to go through Ephesians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 5. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And in Ephesians 4 and 5, we're talking about the family, we're talking about work, we're talking about marriages, we're talking about children, and all the, the, the practical day-to-day stuff of life that we addressed in the early part of Ephesians. And then there is a clear break to it. No, there's not actually. What we've got to remember is when we come into spiritual warfare, it actually it is set in the context of the family. It's set within the context of our workplace, and you'll all say amen to that. It's all in the context of raising children, and I can hear the mum saying, you're not kidding, like my kids are possessed by someone else, and it certainly is a warfare. It's in the context of marriage, and if you've been married more than an hour, you'll know that <laughs> spiritual warfare is a reality. And so God wants to speak to us about spiritual warfare. He wants to help us to recognize that the battle we face, even though we think about it in maybe a humorous terms of being in the family, being within marriage, being within the workplace, we have an enemy who is real. And that enemy manifests himself within these parts of our lives and he causes conflict and hatred and brokenness and selfishness. And he leads us to serve ourselves. We're already predisposed to do it. But we have an enemy who drives us to do that, who ensnares us, who seeks to break us and harm us. But he's an enemy who is finite. He is not the God. He is not all-powerful. Although he may be much more powerful than we are, we are on victory's side And the reason we are on victory's side is because of what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And for any of you that have taken a moment to read God's word, you would have seen the scene on the cross when Jesus cried out, it is finished. And what a profound saying that was. He defeated the work of death. He defeated the work of sin. He defeated Satan. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we stand on victory's side. Within our workplaces, within our homes, or within our marriages, we are on victory's side. 
But we ought to be careful not to be lulled into thinking that just because we're on victory side, we don't face the battle day to day. At every turn, at every moment, the evil one is seeking to trip us up and harm us. If we didn't have enough trouble just with our own sinful natures and our own desires, we have an enemy that seeks to destroy us. He seeks to destroy you in your workplace. And when he's got you on the ground and he's got his foot on your throat, he doesn't feel sorry for you. He just wants to lean into you harder and crush the life out of you. When you are fighting with each other in your marriages and you feel as though there's no way to return, he doesn't have a moment of embarrassment or shame that he's been part of that. He just turns the screws tighter and tighter, hoping that he can destroy you. When we as a church family gather around God's word and we have had faithful men and women over many decades who have held to God's word and you are testament to that today as you sit here. And rarely have we had a struggle over that because of the clarity that they have brought. But many times we have fought with each other. Many times we've been jealous of one another. Many times we have allowed hatred to come up in our hearts And be sure that Satan does not flinch over that. He gets in behind it and he stokes it and he stokes it because he seeks to harm us. But we are on victory's side. The battle has been won. This is not the way it's going to end. There will be a day where we step into glory and there will be no more tears and there will be no more pain. There will be no more backstabbing. There will be no more jealousy. There will be no more lust. There will be no more greed. There will be no more selfishness. We will be like him. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) So when we talk about the enemy, yes, we want to give him due respect. But what I want us to do as Nathan and Timon will describe the battle for you so beautifully. I want to take a moment to look at what it means in the scriptures when in verse 10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want to open that up a little bit more. Make no mistake, as we read on in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Make no mistake, though he is finite and though he is utterly defeated and has no way back, he is powerful, he does have schemes, He's well organized and he hates you. And if you've been a Christian for just a moment, you know that you have an enemy. But we have the victory in Christ. We have the victory because our God is all powerful. There is no one like our God. There is no one who has done what our God has done. There is no one who can claim to be the creator God. Satan is not the creator. Satan is like you and I. He was created. And make no mistake, though he roars like a lion, and though he can terrify us, God has him on a string. We see that in the book of Job, where God calls him up at any time he chooses Because you see, God is the creator. There is none like our God. And we are baptized into our God, into the Lord Jesus Christ through the indwelling of the Spirit. We stand by faith in the victory that's been won. We stand in faith in the power of our God. Isn't that good news? 
So let's not be intimidated by the smoke and the mirrors, but let's take some moment this morning just to have a look at how powerful our God is. How long since you've just leant back in the power of God? How long since you've just worshipped the Lord and reminded yourself of just how awesome he really is? So many times life crashes in and we find ourselves questioning God's character and questioning God's leadership and questioning God's sovereignty and questioning God's power. I do the same myself, but let's this morning bring our hearts to a place of worship. This is not so much a sermon, but a time for us to worship the Lord. Let's bring our hearts before him and let's be in wonder of what he does. How has God, how has he revealed his power? How is the power of God demonstrated? Well, the first place we see that is in creation itself. Wouldn't you agree? How many times have you, I, I know they're only small, but how many times have you looked up into the Adelaide Hills? I was driving towards them recently. I looked up into the hills. I used to live there for a little while and I just thought, God, you are amazing the way you make those hills. How many times recently have you looked into the stars and thought, oh, God, you are altogether awesome? Have you recently looked at the full moon that we just recently had and not given glory to God? That full moon hung in our bedroom window for like five days. We were like sleeping in daylight. God is altogether powerful. This is what Romans tells us. No surprise. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Make no mistake, this holy God will judge us for our sin. And the creation testifies to the fact that he is holy and all-powerful. And as surely as the sun comes up, our God will come and judge the unrighteous. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth? For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. But for those of us who by the grace of God have been wooed to trust him and have been indwelt by his spirit, we look at creation differently. When we look at creation, we see the hand of God and we are drawn to worship him. I want to show you some of God's creative power. I'm going to ask Joe just to bring the lights down, particularly the one that's in my face and stops me from seeing all you people this morning. Let's just bring the lights down a little bit and have a look at some of God's creation. My understanding is that this uh, constellation is named the, the Boomerang Nebula. And we can only see this because of the Hubble telescope. Created before we were created. Hung out there in God's universe. Never to be seen until we got to this point in our history. And had the technology to be able to look out and see it. And yet our great God had created this. And I am absolutely convinced thousands more that we cannot yet see and maybe never will see until we go to be with the Lord and they reflect his power and his glory I'm told that this is the coldest place in the universe and you thought it was your workplace but it was actually that place the boomerang nebula your God made this your heavenly father made this just because he can just because he's glorious just because he's creative he is altogether wonderful. 
Have a look at the next one. It's called the Hourglass Nebula on your left-hand side. Isn't that just spectacular? Anybody ever made anything like that? And our great God just spoke these things into being. The one on the other side is called the, and it's spelled I, capital I, capital C, beauty. I see beauty. They really are breathtaking, are they not? The colours and the spectacular. And this reveals the creative power of our living God. Even if you were not enough already, and he says that you are the pinnacle of his creation. Our God is altogether wonderful. You might recognise these two. This is called Saturn. Isn't that... Who could make something like that? Isn't that just the coolest looking thing? And the uh, one on your right-hand side is the sun taken from the Hubble's telescope, again, with a planet passing in front of the sun. And God made that to give us light. God made that to warm our planet. God did that, and God holds it together with the word of his hand. Isn't that awesome? Our God is altogether worthy. The next one is a tele- is made by us. It's the Hubble Telescope. And uh, that telescope is responsible for many of the photos that you're going to see. I've only got a few more for you. The other slide is my wife leaving for work in the morning. So um, <laughs> it feels like that. But that's, uh, that's this man shooting the shuttle off. And we are so tiny and so insignificant. And we have not seen anything of really what God has made yet. There is so much more. Our God is a great God. The next one is a global a globular cluster. We're not very creative as human beings when it comes to names. We just see a bunch of stuff. That looks like a globular, so we'll just call it that. You know, and talk about giving God credit and awe. I imagine it would be really interesting to ask God what he has called it. But there again in the universe that he made and has placed us in, that we are only a tiny speck in, he made this, and it reflects that he is altogether powerful. Satan has never made anything like that. I'm even embarrassed to say it because he's never even come close. And neither have we. We have built some amazing structures, and we stand in awe of those structures, and they are just like playing in a sandpit compared to the glory of our God. The one on the other side, again, came up with the best that we could do was a super giant of gas and stars. God must shake his head and say, couldn't you do better than that? Like, I know that I created it with the word of my mouth in an instant. But still, you could have done better than that. The next slide shows a, what they, we call a stellar nursery. And uh, because uh, they believe that these are where stars are made, but certainly in God's program, he just made that. And I've got to tell God today that it just looks beautiful. And if that's beautiful... He must be just gorgeous. This is the God who made you. This is the God who is all-powerful. Isn't he wonderful? How is the power of God demonstrated beyond his creation? Well, the power of God is demonstrated beyond his creation and that he holds all of his creatures in their operation. God is not only the one who created these beautiful, beautiful systems, not only is the one who created you, but he is the one who sustains it and upholds it. Up on the screen for you is Hebrews, God's written word, and he testifies to this and he says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Our Lord Jesus Christ was given this with the Father and the Holy Spirit, was involved in the creation, not only our earth, not only our solar system, not only our universe, but more importantly, he was involved in the creation of you. Isn't that pretty cool? Like our God has made the most beautiful and amazing things that are literally breathtaking. Same God that made you. Isn't it an honor to be made by him? He is all-powerful. There is no one like him. And that has got to be the understatement of the universe. Bring your hearts before him and worship him this morning. He's worthy of all your worship. He is the one who has placed us on victory's side. He is the one who has defeated the enemy of our souls simply because he loved us. Great is our God. Not only has he demonstrated it in creation and demonstrated it through upholding us, but he plucks his chosen people out of the snare of the devil. Does he not? And he powerfully draws them unto himself. And we read this in John chapter 6 and verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. This is how powerful our God is. He demonstrates his power in this. Is it not enough that he's shown us his power in the universe? But then as the pinnacle of his creation rebelled against him and broke the law of God, and God being just was then placed in a position where he had to judge us, and the judgment for our brokenness and sin is death, separation from God, for eternity. Revelation tells us that the smoke of the fires of judgment on the unrighteous rise forever and ever and ever. We do not just die. God has made us to be eternal. We are either eternally with him in glory or we are eternally under his judgment. He's written these things not to threaten us but to warn us so that we have time to repent And the only way that we can repent, we are so stupid. I speak of myself, I'm so stupid. The only way that I can repent. I hear this message of judgment and I think to myself, I have one more day, I have one more week, I have one more year. And so I don't repent. But then the Holy Spirit woos me and draws me and and pulls me at one side and opens my eyes and opens my mind to the truth that God is indeed creator and worthy of all my worship. And then he places in my heart enough faith that I can call upon his name. And as I call upon his name in faith, he is pleased to respond to me and to fill me with his Holy Spirit and mark me out as his own forever. This is the work of our God. There is none can do that. I can't do that. Satan surely cannot do that. He is a destroyer. He is a murderer, he is a liar, and he is a thief from the very beginning. Our God is worthy of all of our worship. He is altogether wonderful. The fourth thing I want you to see about the wonderful, wonderful power of God is he works grace in people. 
and he maintains his work and he enables them to persevere. It's one thing to be born again, but we've got to recognize that the grace and the faith that was involved in salvation, we still need that grace and faith the next day and the day after and the day, and we will need it for eternity. We don't save ourselves and we don't sustain ourselves. We can't have tickets thinking, man, I am just an awesome Christian. I'm better than everybody. God is so lucky to have me on his side. We breathe because he is pleased to allow us to breathe. We have air to breathe because he's pleased to provide it for us. We have strength to move one foot in front of another because of the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that we are here today and that he has not taken us away. We owe everything we have to our living God. He sustains us. Have a look up on the screen, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Hallelujah. He has caused us to be born again. Does anybody here think that they've done it by themselves? You are deceived. This was the great merciful creator who reached out to us in our ignorance. He has, born, he has made us born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. God is saving us today, tomorrow, the next day, and when we're in glory, God will save us again for his glory. Do you get just a glimpse of how big our God is? Do you get a glimpse of, of the plan and the program of God? And while God in this majestic holiness brings to pass his plan upon the face of humanity. He is altogether wonderful and holy. He is far above all others. And Satan is not even in view. He is an utterly defeated, finite being. Yes, very active. Yes, very active within the church. But he is not like our God. He is not like our God. The final thing that I want to say to you that's not actually the final thing. You know, when preachers say that, it means they've got a fair bit behind. But is not the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ the most powerful and wonderful revelation of God himself? That God would create us in his image and having sinned against him and deserving to be put to death for eternity, God in his great love sent his son, who was without sin. Never did he have a word that was incorrect. Never did he abide sin within his heart. Never did he put a footstep wrong. But he humbly surrendered himself to the will of the Father, and he died in your place and in my place. But that was not the end of the picture. God demonstrated his power that on the third day, God raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And this should fill your heart full joy because this witnesses to the fact that God will raise you from the dead if you've believed in him. Such is the power of God. Has anyone ever raised anybody from the dead? Has anybody ever come back from the grave and said, this person, right? Nobody ever has. That's why we make the joke, the certainties of life, death and taxes. 
But our God is so powerful. He is not like any other. He created us. He is the one who's given us the breath of life. And he can even raise us from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is great and worthy of our worship. There is none like him. Hear the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Praise you, God. You are above all others. Who else could do this great work? No one but God. Hear the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 2. And you who are dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us of all his trespasses. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. Satan is utterly defeated. We are on victory's side because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's all about the gospel. God has provided us a sacrifice. God has provided one who would pay the price. And he defeated the work of Satan. He defeated the work of death. He demonstrated that by being able to rise up from the dead. And by faith, we have been placed in him and we too shall be raised from the dead. Amen. Isn't that great news? This is the God whom we serve. And as we come to Ephesians chapter 6 and learn about spiritual warfare in the coming weeks, let us be mindful of how great and worthy our God is. I would like to lead you again in worshipping the Lord. I didn't want this to be an, it's an exegetical sermon. It certainly hasn't been that. But I wanted to lift before you how great our God is. And I wanted you to be able to worship him. And I want you to stand with me now as we continue to worship him. This is not the close of our service. I want you to stand if you can. I'm going to take you through another responsive reading this morning. And this is not an opportunity for you to test your reading skills. This is an opportunity for you to worship the Lord. So before we start, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to read the tiny squeaky little bits. And I'm going to ask you to respond to the Lord. Read to him. Worship him as you read. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your great grace. You are altogether powerful. There is none like you. And we ask now as we read, as we worship you, that you would be pleased to visit us powerfully and that your holiness would be tangibly present amongst us. For you are holy, holy, holy. In the year that the king died, the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord still alive. In a moment, when he beheld the glory of God, he wrote these words. Above him stood a host of angels. These awe-inspiring angelic beings were not in awe of themselves, but another. They called to one another, saying... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
as this worship continued, the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the entire house was filled with smoke. And in that moment, Isaiah rightly confessed, And just like Isaiah, we have entered the presence of the Lord. He is supremely holy. He will not tolerate unholiness in his presence, and yet somehow we are still standing. Thanks be to God, by his grace, he sent a seraphim to Isaiah with a burning coal from the altar and touched his mouth and said, And just like Isaiah, our hope is not in our mortal perfection, but in divine forgiveness. God, we need your grace. Hear the word of the Lord. And one called out to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Hear the word of the Lord. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they stood and they did not see, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge that you are altogether wonderful and that there is none like you. You are holy, holy, holy. And we prostrate ourselves in our hearts before you and we ask that you would forgive us for our sins. We obey the command of your word and we submit ourselves to you and we resist the evil one and we claim the promise that he will flee from us. We praise you that you have won the victory on the cross for us and we do not stand in our own strength or our own skill, but we stand in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, having died in our place and having risen again on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And we humbly come before you, not in our own strength, because we have none, nor in our own good works, because they are vile before you. We come to you in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we come boldly because you have claimed that we should do that. You have asked us to do that. But we come humbly before you, and we thank you that by faith we can stand into all the victory that the Lord Jesus has won. By faith we claim that victory over our workplaces, and we ask that you would, Lord, defeat that work of the enemy that seeks to destroy our reputation, our ministry within our workplaces. We stand against him, not in our own strength, but through the shed blood of Christ. We submit ourselves to you, Father, and we humble ourselves before you and we claim victory within our families. Our families are torn apart by the work of the evil one by our own idolatry. We humble ourselves before you and we pray that you would cause us to repent And Father, I even boldly ask that you would chastise us for our sin that we may not get too far away from you. Father, we pray for our precious children, 
our grandchildren, for some great-grandchildren. We humble ourselves before you and we claim them for you. You made them. They belong to you. We ask that you would powerfully reveal yourself to them and draw them to follow you with all of their heart. We thank you that as we talk about the battle in coming weeks, we talk not from a position of defeat, but from a position of victory. We stand on victory's side because of what the Lord Jesus has done. You are magnificent, Father. You are beyond our ability to describe you. And you are worthy of all of our worship. We glorify you today in Jesus' lovely name. Amen.